This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Myron Metcalf here filling in on Mackie and Judd. Um, my 10-year-old said something to me the other day that kind of, you know, made me, made me think. You know, she said, Dad, you know, Minnesota teams aren't that good. <laughs> right, she's learning. Has she's, she's learned a she's, lot, hasn't she? She's ten, <laughs> right? So she, in the last ten years, she hasn't really had a, a winning team. Although she did said, except the Lynx, of course. Right? Yeah, there you she go. loves the Lynx. She's a smart girl. So I was thinking about that, and my girls are they're Minnesotans. Like they were born here. I'm Wisconsin. They love the Wild and the Vikings. You know, I have. I'm not that parent who's tried to force them into Wisconsin. And you know what? I, she'd be a fraud if she did try to take my Wisconsin fandom because, you know, you didn't sit through the Don Mikowski eras and all the bad years with the Wisconsin bat. You don't get the, to... The, pre, the pre-Brett the Favre yeah, years in you, Green Bay. You didn't, you didn't see Raleigh Fingers and Robbie. You don't remember those Brewers teams. You don't get to just, <laughs> just climb on to, you know, my experience as a sports fan. But it was interesting, interesting to me because in her 10 years on this earth... That's been her experience here. Mm-hmm. You know, there hasn't been this consistent team that's made you go, okay, as a young fan, I can latch on to that. I can latch on to this. So, Manny, my question is, what team in the coming years has the best chance to become that team that someone like my 10-year-old could say, oh, okay, I, I want to be a part of that bandwagon. I want to get that jersey. I, I want to go to those games. Mm-hmm. In this market, which team has the best chance to do that? Well, the Lynx have already been doing it, but yeah. she's, she's well aware of them, so that's good. Yeah. Um, Maya Moore like, touched her one time and she almost passed out. It was <laughs> like awesome. it was like that's awesome. a supernatural for her. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I think probably it's probably the Vikings right now. Yeah. Because the Wolves are a mess right now, and... You know the twins. I've you know the twins are headed in a direction where I think we still we're still kind of a wait and see on where they're at, but they've got some things that they've got to get straightened out and figure out exactly where they're headed. And you know the Wild are not bad; they're just sort of hanging around and they're sort of going through this Parisian suitor era. And they 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 haven't had that sort of that down year yet, but they just haven't had that great year yet where they've gone on that great run. Like they, like they hoped when they signed Parisian suitor that many, those many years ago, if they, if they so released an album, the wild, it would be called hanging around. Yeah. 
That's that's about hanging around. That's what. And the X is the X is a packed house every yeah. you know forty one games out of the year. The X is going to be packed, so they don't you know. But yeah, I I think in terms of in terms of finding a, a team that's going to win and that's in a, the best position to win for at least a few more years, it's probably the Vikings. Yeah, they've got they've got their quarterback now, and they've got uh, they have sort of an identity and with with the defense and Mike Zimmer and. You know, and they're they're having a, a a good solid season this year. I mean, there's still some things to work on, but they've. I think the Vikings are probably the closest right now in terms of having a. You know, over the next couple of years, having some long sustained success because everything I, else is just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the Vikings are in the best position. Here's what worries me: the NFL is becoming much like the NBA in that it's now the NFL is now a win now kind of league. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't use the Patriots as great as they are as an example anymore because they're the only ones who've been able to achieve what they're doing. Mm-hmm. For, For the long, most yeah. part, it's get a young, talented quarterback who isn't on his max deal yet and try to build around him and stay under the salary cap, which is what the Rams are doing. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff hasn't gotten his money yet, but he it's will. coming. He will. And when he does, all those defensive pieces that you've added to that Rams team you're not going to be able to keep them, you know? So they're in sort of this window in terms of being a, being able to pay everybody. I, I think the Bears are in a similar spot with Trubisky. If they have to pay him or it's someone else, it's going to be harder to sustain w- what they have, and especially retaining some of their your, their young pieces. Because mm-hmm. they've already paid you know? Khalil Mack. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at a team like the Cowboys who sort of squandered that opportunity under Dak Prescott over the last three years where – He's been on his rookie deal, mm-hmm. and they just haven't surrounded him with enough talent. So, you know, it's hard to know anything beyond these three years with the Vikings uh, because it's become such a win-now league. But if you if you keep Cousins, if you keep some of these defensive pieces, which I'm very curious to see how this, you know, defensive surge helps or hurts the Vikings. What I mean by that is the con- contractual demands – in the coming years because the value is going to be elevated. You're just not going to be, be able to keep this all together. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, then that becomes more difficult to, you know, sustain. You got Diggs, you got Thielen, um, but some of these other pieces are going to demand more money. So it feels like these three years are the, are like the window if you're a young fan where you hope maybe mm-hmm. you get a Super Bowl. You only need one. You don't need multiple su- One Super Bowl. That sets your whole life up, right? <laughs> and I think I feel like this is. I think a lot of Vikings fans would be happy right? with one Super Bowl, right? But now. I feel like yeah. that's the opportunity to sort of grow the bandwagon. Um, but you know, she, my daughter, had a point. The teams haven't been very good in her lifetime, and she wasn't saying it as someone who's anti-Minnesota. She's a Minnesota fan. Mm-hmm. Like she loves the Wild. She loves the Twins. But it's more of like. Man, I want to be able to say I was there when. I'll give you a dark horse team in this town to watch for that I'm pretty excited that I don't know where they're headed yet, but I'm pretty excited to see how this goes. Go for women's basketball. Oh, the Wayland. Oh, yeah. We're going to games. Yeah. We're going to games. I'm very pumped for how this is going to look and and Lindsay sort of stepping in and, and taking over that program injecting a, a, a you know a, a jolt of energy into that program that, yeah. that it hasn't had in a, in a while 
I you know really since since she was a player there, yeah. and I I'd be very interested to see how that goes. I I think that's a dark horse team that if Lindsey plays her cards right and does well and and coaches well and recruits well, that could be a really fun program over the next few years. Oh, it's that's a great one because I think her the way she's going to be able to recruit will be phenomenal just just because she's such a name in this part mm-hmm. of the country. Um. And any living room she goes into, I think people will want to play for her. Now, we have witnessed former players who immediately stepped into a coaching role. We have watched some of those folks struggle, not not because they don't have the potential, but because their standard of excellence is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see how that works with Lindsey. Mm-hmm. You know, you just came off a run where you won how many titles and – you're playing with the best players in the world, and you haven't had any like cooling off period. Mm-hmm. You're just going straight into that. Um, her standards are going to be very, very high, and you're going to have to keep up with that as a player. Uh, and that's going to be the question because she's not coming in taking anything less than that hundred percent effort. But that's a great. My girls want to go to games. I'm definitely going to go to some. That's gonna, I'm going go, to basketball games. games this year. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. But other than that, it's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of, I, you know, with the, with the men's team, I think Richard Pitino needs to have a have a big year. I, you know, I think there's oh, there's, better. There's, there's fired. A, yeah, I mean, there's a, I think there's a level of excitement there, but it's sort of a with them, it's sort of like a make or break. Like this is a make or break year for Richard Pitino. Like they need oh, to get, get, get to the tournament, win a game maybe, and and make something happen there. But as far as like. Long term excitement and optimism. I think right now it's it's the Vikings and and I think there's optimism with Gopher women's basketball just because of the Lindsey Whalen yeah. angle and just the the anticipation for it. I think has a lot of people optimistic for the future of that. Will PJ Fleck win here? <sighs> um, I think he can. I think he. I, I I'll put it to you this way. I like the direction that they're going on offense. Yeah, I like the quarterbacks that they have. I like Tanner Morgan. I think Anikstad has a future. Yeah, you know, I think that the offensive line has gotten better over the course of the season. It was kind of a mess at the start of the year, but they've made some changes there, and it's it's gotten better. Defensively, though, man, like this this Rob Smith thing and having to part ways with him because this defense was has been abysmal this year, especially in. Especially in Big Ten play, like you've got to get that. I think with the with the youth you have on offense, you're trying to get to a point where you know three, maybe four years ago, when a lot of the or four years from now, when a lot of these guys are juniors and seniors, that they're going to be playing at their at their peak level. You got to get that defense straightened out over yeah. the next couple of years to to get yourself in a position where you can maybe get to the Big Ten championship game and and at least put yourself in a position to to contend for the conference. So. But I, I think he can win here, but it's it's gonna it's it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take a couple of years. I feel like year three is gonna be a critical year mm-hmm. for him because then we got to see some improvement. Yeah, I yeah. mean this this year you can say the we're young, we're young at every position. I, I mean the the challenge is you can be young and good. I mean mm-hmm. it's possible to be young and good, but he he can I mean use that. He, they are very young at a lot of positions. Uh, but year three for him, I think, is going to be the one where you go, okay, who who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, year one, transition year where you're coming off a nine win season. I mean, there was a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't match the nine win total, 
here we are this year, just hoping to see improvement. I think a lot of people are in that position. Mm-hmm. But yeah, year three feels like the year where, okay, what do you have as a coach? Because in a job like this, you're not going to have that overwhelming talent pool no matter what you do. You're never going to have the same talent as a Michigan or an Ohio State or some of these other – or even a Penn State. to overachieve. Yeah, because the yep. brands of those programs are 100-plus years in the making. Mm-hmm. They're too strong. So you're not going to overcome that when they've been building these monsters for the last 50 years and you've been trying to sort of just stay above water. That's where you need coaching to come in, like you said, elevate guys – who might be three star guys, but get them to play like four and five stars. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's that's a cliche, and we all say that, and coaches say that, but that's the real test and the real challenge of a coach in this situation. That's how the Badgers have gotten good. That's hundred percent. That's how Northwestern right now, even though their overall record isn't great, that's why they're in first place in the Big Ten West right now. Exactly. Pat Fitzgerald is taking two and three star recruits, and he's elevating them, pushing them up an extra level, and getting them to compete. That's what PJ has to do here. And if you can get Northwestern to play that way, and I'm a Wisconsin guy. Wisconsin's formula ain't that sophisticated. Mm-hmm. They go out and find the biggest bodies. You know, they get a couple skilled guys, and they just do the same thing to you over and over. The difference is, if you're a Wisconsin offensive lineman in high school, you want to go to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There is no other place you want to be. PJ has to get the kids in this area to have the same attitude to want to be a part of whatever he's building. That's why even year two is important. Mm -hmm. You ain't going to get there. But, like, can you do enough to show folks that there's something there? Uh, And like you said, year three is going to be the big big test for him. We'll be back after this with Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and John. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic before we get to Tom Pelosero here. 394 eastbound, we've got a crash in Golden Valley, uh, causing about a 12-minute delay. That's between Park Place and Highway 100, so be on the watch for that. Also, 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in St. Paul, uh, adding an extra six minutes to your commute. That's uh, between Snelling and Hamlin Avenue and uh, 169 southbound in Hopkins. We've got a crash between Excelsior Boulevard and Interlochen Road, and that's adding about seven minutes to your commute there. Myron? Back here on Mackie and Judd, where we've got NFL expert, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero in to talk all things NFL. Uh, Tom, I guess i got to start with the big news around the league. Des Bryant to the Saints, the rich get richer. How is this going to work? It's pretty fascinating, Myron, when you think back through everything that Des Bryant has kind of gone through since the Cowboys released him back in the spring. You know, he had a three-year uh, deal on the table from the Ravens, would have paid him about $8 million a year, so I had to back away from that. Wanted a one-year deal. He visits the Browns. That was on hard knocks in August. They offered him a one-year contract. Turned that down. You know, as much as... Dez had to sell the Saints with his workout yesterday. It's the first workout he had done for a team uh, since the Cowboys released him. The Saints kind of had to sell Dez on this, too. I know that was one of the teams he had mentioned at some point on Twitter, you know, as a place that he would like to be, but it really seems as if this is a marriage that could work out. You know, with Dez, it's really been the injuries over the past couple of years. 
specifically in 2015 and 16 that slowed him down. Uh, I know the Cowboys felt as if he just wasn't gaining separation the way that he used to. But unlike in Baltimore, unlike in Cleveland, frankly, unlike in Dallas, he doesn't need to be the guy with the Saints. They've got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and Michael Thomas, all those different weapons. Dez is probably going to see more favorable matchups than he has in a number of years here. And, you know, he's going to come in a little bit fresher. He certainly seems like he's going to be healthy at this point. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. That's probably pushing it. But, uh, you know, sooner than later, and certainly before uh, three weeks from now in that nationally televised battle against the Cowboys in Arlington, I'm going to take a wild guess. He'll be ready to roll for that one. Do you think, you know, that this is – more about that vengeance factor and, and playing the Cowboys, which it seemed like that was a big part of, his, part of his motivation early on, or is this a guy who really wants to be a part of potentially a championship-level team? It doesn't hurt. The retribution doesn't hurt, right? I mean, having a crack at your old team, you know, and Brett Favre went to the Vikings years ago. You can bet he relished the chance to hit the Packers uh, a couple of times a year. But really for Dez, I mean, let's think of this in the big picture here. He's 30 years old. He has, as I said, you know, over the past few years, he's dealt with a lot of different things health-wise. But, you know, you can play. You can still be an effective receiver in your early 30s. So if he comes out, plays well, takes advantage of those matchups, can get up to speed, which is not an easy thing to do, especially a wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, if he can have some productivity, come March, he may be able to cash in, unlike he would have been able to cash in uh, this past year. You know, the timing of when he was released, everything about the way that he left Dallas was a little bit unusual. Uh, it just changed some things uh, in terms of Dez finding a new home. So, you know, if he can hit the market with everybody else, uh, second week of March, if he's, if he's been productive, uh, you can bet that, you know, whatever he's making from the Saints, which my colleague Ian Rapport reported is, you know, darn near the minimum in terms of base salary this year. It's like six hundred grand for the rest of the year. Can earn a half million in incentives. But that big payday is still out there. And, you know, it, maybe it doesn't work. We don't know that. You know, we got to see whether or not he can stay healthy and get up to speed. But if he does, uh, that's kind of the pot at the end of the rainbow. Tom, where are you at uh, with the Vikings now as they as they approach the bye at 5-3-1? and one? They're going to have a, a tough stretch of games here post-bye, but it seems like the defense has gotten back on track a little bit. Now, of course, the level of competition, aside from the Saints, has been, uh, has been a little bit softer in the last few weeks, but w- where are you at with them, and, and, and is this defense now back on track to where uh, they could potentially make a run? Well, Mike Zimmer, I saw, said it the other day that you know they're starting to look a lot more like what he thinks that team should look like. Uh, defensively, they've, they've patched some of their holes. They've been able to play uh, closer to the level that they, they were before. Um, I think that you know, when you consider what they've been dealing with, specifically a corner, you know, since Mike Hughes went down, Mike Hughes might have been their best corner up until his injury. Of course, Xavier Rhodes has been nicked up here uh, down the stretch. They played for a while without Everson Griffin. Now that you know, Griffin's back, Rhodes is getting back. They're not going to have Hughes, but you know, they're closer personnel-wise to where they want to be. And some of the guys who just didn't play well in the early going, guys like Linval Joseph, who were just kind of blending in, you've seen those guys make a few more splash plays. That, that stuff matters. There's always going to be a team. I know what they spent on the quarterback. We've had this discussion 100 times. No matter who's at quarterback, Mike Zimmer team is going to be driven by defense and the running game. And don't overlook what they lost to Wendell out either. So much of their offense was structured around this idea that you'd be able to get Dalvin Cook out into space, you'd run certain types of option routes and things with him, uh, the fact that he could create a little bit 
in the running game, whereas Latavius Murray kind of needs to catch a crease. His initial, you know, couple of steps is not that great. You know, once Latavius gets downfield a little bit, gets to the second level, that's where he builds his head of steam. Cook's just got a little more um, juice to him, a little more wiggle to him, uh, and that gives you just more options for what you can do. The fact they've got both those running backs right now uh, going healthy, or at least Dalvin's getting close to it after coming back in that last game, on top of Thielen, and you'd hope to get Stephon Diggs back after the bye, they they just seem to be getting a little bit more personnel-wise where they thought they were going to be heading into the season. And if they keep that up, I mean, the you know the, this will be a measuring stick stretch. There's no doubt about it over the next month here with some of those opponents they've got lined up. And all eyes will be on that, uh, I believe it's a Sunday night game against the Packers here in Minneapolis. What do you make of them bringing in Amir Abdullah? Is that just sort of help complement the running game a little bit more or, or to see if you can kind of use him in different sort of ways, just adding another guy that can potentially add some playmaking to the offense it's depth uh, you know it's not specifically related uh, you know i know that probably is people's first reaction when they see the claim the veteran running back on waivers it's not like there's some secret setback that dalvin cook had or something i was told it's just a depth move and it does give you a guy who's a little bit more like dalvin so if dalvin did miss time down the line you, know, you wouldn't have to throw out certain parts of your offense that you're just not going to run with Latavius Murray. Now, you also get a guy who's got some returnability. Mike Hughes was handling that. You know, could Amir Abdullah get a look there? It's possible. Um, it's also, you know, a guy who last year, I remember in September, week four, that game where Dalvin Cook got hurt. Uh, the season seemed to be in shambles. The Vikings were 2-2. Two and two. They lost to the Lions at home. I interviewed Amir Abdullah on the field after that game. He had 20 carries for 94 yards. It was probably his most productive game that he's had over the past couple of years. A new regime in terms of the coaching staff in Detroit coming in. You know, they brought in LeGarrette Blunt. They drafted Kerryon Johnson high. You know, Amir was always just kind of hanging on to his roster spot. And, in fact, probably would have been gone before the season if they didn't have another injury at the position. Um, you know, you have a potential uh, value pickup here. He just he hasn't played a whole lot, so the Vikings will throw him into the mix. And that, unlike receiver, is a position that you can pretty quickly up to speed and be able to give a team something. Tom, I think we can all agree that the, the Lions uh, are out of this NFC North race especially with the golden tate trade but packers bears vikings what did those three teams have to do to win this division well with the packers it's just a matter of being able to close out games i know that there's gonna be a lot of focus on mike mccarthy and the coaching staff but you know if tom montgomery doesn't bring the ball out of the end zone and fumble (laughs) you're you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that aaron Rodgers isn't more probable than not to drive him down the field (laughs) and beat the rams in la Uh, if they don't have a fumble uh, by aaron jones in new england i believe it was a 14 all game packers were driving maybe go up in that game and all of a sudden, you turn the ball over, and that was a huge swing point in the game. You know, if they can clean up some of those mistakes, it's a dangerous team. Rodgers is—he's not going to be a hundred percent truly until after the season. It's just—it's a—it's a tough injury that he's dealing with. It's going to take time and rest, and he doesn't have time to rest right now when he's playing. But he's a lot closer now than he was a month ago or six weeks ago. When that guy's on the field, uh, they're dangerous every single week. In terms of the other teams, I mean, the Bears have have found ways uh, to win games so far. Uh, Matt Nagy's done a heck of a job with the young quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. They gave him a lot of weapons. Defensively, Vic Fangio is still one of the best in the league. If Khalil Mack can get back to full health and be the impact player he was early in the season, um, that, that's going to be a fascinating team to watch the rest of the year. The Lions are just, um, you know, I mean, you guys saw the game last week against the Vikings. It just feels as if they're not really going at, you know, full strength uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. They beat some good teams. 
mean, they beat the Packers. Yeah. Granted, with a you know the benefit of what five missed kicks by Mason Crosby, but regardless, they beat the Packers. They beat the Patriots, and then they've played some lesser opponents and uh, not played their best game. New coaching staff there, like I said, um, you know they're doing things a little bit differently. They are very very game plan specific, much like the Patriots are. Uh, but they're a little bit more difficult to predict right now, and there certainly has to be some disappointment that Matthew Stafford and that offense have not been more productive than they've been to this point. Tom, on the other side of the AFC, I mean, everybody's talking about New England, rightfully so, and Kansas City with all the fireworks with Patrick Mahomes, but a team that I'm really intrigued by that's been playing really well for about a month and a half is the L.A. Chargers, and what they're doing on defense and they're finding ways to win games and Phillip Rivers is playing really well. I mean, how how good are they? I think that the thing that's amazing about the Chargers is they're doing this without their best player. Joey Bosa hasn't played a snap. He's been out the entire season with a foot injury, and that guy is you know, one of the best edge players in the entire league. If he can get back, and as of last check, there were no plans to have surgery, he's still hoping he's going to be back to the stretch run. Um, you know he's going to be an, an impact player for him if he can get if he's uh, you know relatively healthy. They also lost one of their best weapons in Hunter Henry. You know he's been out the entire season. A tight end that was going to be a difference maker, and they've got to dust off uh, whatever he is, thirty-eight year old Antonio Gates, and try to get what they can out of him. I mean Rivers has played well. That defense, you got to give Gus Bradley a lot of credit. You know he got kicked around pretty good there in Jacksonville, but smart defensive mind. He's got those guys playing fast. Uh, yeah, they're interesting. I'd also say this, even within their own division, I was in Cleveland last week. I watched that Kansas City offense. And when they spread it out and go <laughs> empty backfield, yeah. shotgun with Patrick Mahomes, and Over. you look across, granted against the Browns, but you look across and every one of those five guys has an edge on the guy in front of him. It's just <laughs> it's so hard to stop these guys. I was talking with Kareem Hunt when I was down in Kansas City last week, and I said, you know, how would you stop this offense? And he goes, I think I'd put a 12th defender on the field or pay the refs off. That's what we're down to here. There's not a lot of good plans for how you're going to defend all those weapons. And every week they just seem to go right up and down the field and you basically got to outshoot them. Isn't it amazing, Tom, last thing before we let you go, isn't it amazing, though, how Andy Reid has – he's been an NFL coach for 20 years and he has done such a phenomenal job of just evolving as the league has evolved. He's not – still run like he's not running the same offense that he was running in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb with Patrick Mahomes and that's just a testament to how how good a coach Andy Reid actually is there's no question Manny and I think that you know one of the great testaments to that was what he did when he moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City he hired Chris Alt who was you know kind of the the guy who started all the pistol stuff he had Colin Kaepernick at Nevada um, you know, really an innovative offensive mind. And he also hired our good friend Brad Childress as the spread game analyst. And basically what Brad did was just watch tape, not just of, of uh, you know, other NFL teams, but watch college teams and just come up with ideas, come up with plays, come to the table and say, hey, I think that this might work. You watch the Chiefs right now. I mean, they'll run speed option. They'll run all sorts of types of zone read. Um, they'll also just throw it around. They'll spread the ball out. You know, they, they – can play and adapt as well as anybody in the league. Now, the question is always going to be, you know, can they do that in January? That's always the question with Andy Reid. It seems like it's been the, the question with the Chiefs since Marty Schottenheimer. You know, they can be 15-1, 14-2, number one seed, and I'll be damned if in the divisional round they're, they don't find a way to, to lose the game. I mean, that's, that's just one of those humps that they have to get over. You watch him play right now, though, and it's a new day, man, with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is impressive. 
Pete, when you ask players about him, they light up, talk about not just the way he's playing, but the leadership ability at such a young age, the way that he really galvanizes that team. They got speed all over the place. Their defense statistically has been um, not good, to say the least. They played the whole year without Eric Berry. Uh, they're hoping to have him back in the next few weeks. Daniel Sorensen, they just activated their other starting safety. You know, that's something significant. They're going to have to stop people. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but you know they've also kind of embraced this idea that hey, we're going to be playing games in the 30s most weeks, so it's not a matter of hey, do we give up 400 yards or not? It's <laughs> can we make those one or two plays that are going to allow us to close this thing out? Great stuff as always, Tom. We definitely appreciate your time. You got it, fellas. Tom Palacero, NFL Network. Great as always. We'll be back after this break here on Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Myron Metcalf here, filling in on Mackie and Judd, uh, Maddie Hill. Um, the, The Gophers basketball team has a guy named Marcus Carr a transfer from Pitt who uh, was hoping to play this season after uh, Kevin Stallings, his former coach at Pitt, got fired. Messy situation. So the school applied for a waiver that would allow him to play right away because NCAA rules uh, mean that you have to sit out a year. Most transfers have to sit out a year. So they applied for a waiver, which would make sense. Kids, coach got fired. Mm-hmm. You know, he he went there to play for Kevin Stallings and they blew the whole thing up. Uh, his appeal was denied. His waiver was denied, I'm sorry. The school is still appealing. So, you know, hopefully he gets a chance uh, in the appeal. But when I read about the situation that's happened with Marcus Carr, uh, first off, it's ridiculous and unfair. You, you shouldn't force a kid to stay in a situation if the coach that recruited him is now gone. Mm-hmm. Like, he went to Pitt because he thought he was going to be able to play with a specific coach and a specific philosophy attached to that coach. If that coach gets fired, why should he have to stay? Like, I hate how folks in this business talk about, well, you know, kids need to stay and learn the lessons of loyalty. and Loyalty, yeah. Get out of here. That's the word we always hear, right? If that coach can leave for a better job two years in, one year in, why should that player have to sit there for four years? He didn't come there for that. So Marcus Carr's waiver to play this year was denied. So he's on the bench right now. What year is he? Uh, I believe he's a junior. Junior? So he'd have to sit out an entire junior year. Sit out an entire season. Here's the problem. Mm, I don't like The that. NCAA should not be allowed to make these decisions. There needs to be an outside board that makes these decisions because they're common sense decisions. The funny thing is they've granted waivers to other students, other student athletes who have been in similar situations, you know, like the criteria as to why they're granting waivers or not granting waivers don't make sense. Marcus Carr is being treated unfairly by the NCAA. Marcus Carr is being denied an opportunity to play a sport he loves, a sport he's on scholarship for at the University of Minnesota because the NCAA feels like the right thing to do is to, what, force him to sit out a year because his coach got fired? This guy was an all was a member of the all-ACC academic team. Smart young man. Did what he had to do in the classroom. 
He didn't leave because, you know, he had a girlfriend on the other side. of the, No, he left because his coach, the coach who said, come to Pitt, the coach who said, you're going to be with me on this journey, got fired. And it was a mess even before he got fired. Isn't it amazing, too, how, you know, because the NCAA, they like to preach about the student athlete. The oh, student athlete. It's all about. You know, so if, so my thing is, okay, if you want to preach about the student athlete, it, why are you punishing a kid who's being a good, quote unquote, student athlete? It doesn't make why sense. Why are you punishing him because he wants to, to take his, what he's doing elsewhere because the school he was at decided to part ways with, with his basketball coach? Why is he being punished for that? It doesn't make any sense. If, if you're going to make an example of someone, it shouldn't be this kid. This isn't a kid who's leaving school for the wrong reasons. This isn't a guy who goes, well, I was playing 20 minutes and I expected to play 25. Right. This is a guy who came in one day and found out that his coach had been fired. And he goes, the only reason I'm here is because of him. The reason I came here was because of him. And then in Marcus Carr's response on, on Instagram, he said, the NCAA is messing with my mental health. And I think there's a case to be made there. He left because it wasn't a good situation for him anywhere at Pitt. You know, on the court, off the court, it was a bad situation. Mm-hmm. He came to Minnesota because he thought that was a good, good situation. Much better situation for him, yep. And he wants to play. How can you deny a young man who was an all ACC academic team member? That's, see, that's what bugs this me. This is a guy most. who gets it done in the classroom. You can't look at him and go, he's just a basketball player. He gets it done in the classroom. That's what you, if you're the NCAA, that's what you want, right? That's How what do you, you preach deny about him? if you're in the NCAA, that's what you preach about. And you're denying him an opportunity yeah. to play basketball, but yet you claim to care about student athletes. And I get the argue, I get what the NCAA is going to say. Well, if we let him, you got to let everybody. No. Because everyone isn't an all ACC member of the academic team. Everyone isn't getting it done in the classroom the way that Marcus Carr is. Right? Mm-hmm. He did not leave because he was upset about his playing time. He did not leave because he got into some fight and now he just has to skip town because they're tired of him. Plenty of kids try to do that. That ain't Marcus Carr. Marcus Carr is a guy who gets it done in a classroom. Marcus Carr is a guy who deserves the opportunity to play because he's earned it. Mm-hmm. Marcus Carr is a guy who left Pitt and transferred for the right reasons. This guy didn't leave for for any nonsense. He left for the right reasons. And, and say what you want about Minnesota basketball, Marcus Carr has been denied an opportunity to play basketball. And if the NCAA truly cares about student athletes, they would uh, they would grant him the opportunity to do that this year. If they don't give him that opportunity, it'll be the NCAA continuing to prove that they're not that invested in the well being of student athletes. They're all about this. They don't really care that much. All about dollar signs. The the dollar signs because the Marcus Carr as well, we got to stick to a formula. This guy was a member of the all-ACC academic team. You can't say he's not a student athlete. The guy's coach got fired. It was a nasty situation. Mm -hmm. A young man like that deserves a second chance and deserves an opportunity to get a fresh start elsewhere. And the NCAA is wrong for denying him that opportunity. We'll be back after this with Mr. Royce.
Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic before uh, Myron and I wrap with Royce here. 94 westbound, we've got a crash uh, in Minneapolis between 3rd Avenue and Hennepin Avenue, uh, causing about a six-minute delay westbound. But if you're headed eastbound on 94 in that same area, be on the lookout for an extra 22 minutes if you're headed uh, towards St. Paul. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Also, 36 westbound, we've got a crash near Lauderdale at 35W. Uh, prepare for an extra eight minutes there, Myron. Back here on Mackie and Judd, filling in for Mackie and Judd, or, or one of the two. Uh, I'd say you you filled in for both for of them both. quite nicely. I, well, yeah. I, well, I appreciate Today. that. You've done a nice job with Manny and and the one and only Patrick Royce. Hello, on Mark. the phone. How, How you doing? I'm doing good. I was over uh, well in that little uh, press session today at uh, two fifteen. She's pretty calm about. Uh, Coaching her first game, it's uh, they're going to get a nice turnout. They uh, somehow have managed to distribute fourteen thousand tickets, and they can call it a sellout. I'm not, you know, you don't know how many of those they sold them. They yeah. sold a lot of them at prices that would allow people just to buy tickets to show they supported it. But uh, you know what, Myron, uh, tomorrow over there you'll have however many show up for that basketball game, ten, eleven, twelve thousand, and next door you'll have the volleyball team playing in front of fifty five hundred. Pretty good night for women's athletics there uh, right uh, you know separated by a wall you're gonna have 16 17 thousand people watching women's athletics that could be a it'll definitely be a great night and obviously everyone's excited about Lindsay. you know you, you hear this pat obviously winning the press conference yeah. did you feel like she had whatever you know whatever <laughs> you need charisma did she well, have that she doesn't need to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, she doesn't need to. She could, she could come out there with her hair a mess and not, not sound like Sid with the press conference. So, uh, yeah, she's not the pressure on her, but uh, she's just a, you know, she's just a pretty low-key kid. I'll be interested to see how long it takes her to get her first technical. I can't see her out there stomping her feet like Pat Summit used to do, you know. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, she'll, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's they're gonna they're gonna have some people come to games, which is uh, what they were looking for. You know, the first guy to suggest this, don't you? You're Who's talking that? to him. Yeah. I said it on Twitter about three weeks beforehand, a month beforehand. Only time they've ever listened to me in their <laughs> lives over there. So, you know, That's why we call I'm you the fixer, Pat. For it. They, they've never given me credit for it, so I'm just taking full credit for it. So. That's why we call you the fixer, right? <laughs> That's right. That's how we got that T-shirt at the State Fair that called, uh, labeled the fixer because it's you yeah. nailing the uh, Lindsey Whalen hire. There's some things the fixer can't fix, like the uh, current Timberwolf situation, but that's another story. But here's what here's another thing I don't think I'm going to be able to fix, Myron. I don't think I'm able. You know that the NCAA uh, basketball tournament's been held in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, you know, in the modern era, twice actually, three times. It was held in 1951 at Williams Arena, but the two times it's held in the uh, you know since uh, you know in the modern era, Duke won it both times. 
and now it's coming here again. I think those dogs could end up going three for three. That Zion Williamson, holy cow. You ever seen anything like that, Pat? Have you ever? No. I mean, I know it's, you know, people are getting crazy about the comparisons, but you, you ever seen a guy with that kind of size and athleticism on a on a basketball court? Oh, man, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's he's. You know, he's as monstrous as LeBron and maybe quicker. <laughs> it's, uh, and, uh, boy, you know, I, the thing I love about this uh, more than anything, I always root against Duke intensely, you know, but I love the fact that here was the most noble coach in the history of mankind. He did everything terrifically. And when Kentucky started doing the one and done thing, it was terrible. How could Calipari do this? Blah, blah, blah. Now that this guy's become the king of the one and dones, nobody says anything. Nobody says anything about the fact that what's he got this year? He's got four of the top 10 or something like that. He's got them. Yeah, he's he's got, yeah, four of the top 10 recruits. I think Trey is the lowest rated. He's, he's 10. And he's 10. his brother. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, to watch someone like that play. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know how we're going to keep him from getting back here unless unless uh, Zion uh, subs his toe or something. <laughs> how about that? Putting up 118 on Kentucky and, and beating him by 34. I was there. I still, I still, still having a hard time believing. Dave Winfield played basketball for the Gophers for a bit, right? Yeah, he did, but uh, was, that might that was probably a physical advantage. Uh, yes. When he was out yeah, there, he was uh, he was pretty good, uh, but uh, yeah, he he didn't uh, you know he was six five six six and not a ball handler or anything. He was a power player. He basically played on that. Uh, they they convinced him to come out, and then uh, when uh, we had the little uh, scuffle there with uh, I remember Ohio, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, that was the uh, advantage up, was Winfield. He was he the ended one up being one of the starters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Bus. Yeah, when uh, yeah, that's the thing about Winnie was a big, uh, big. I'll say one thing though: when uh, when Benny Winnie uh, got in it with the Buckeyes, it was face to face. He wasn't sneaking up on anybody. Oh, you know, <laughs> they, they were trying to sneak away. Uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to go up uh, nose and nose with that guy. You know how you know how quick Musselman changed it here though, uh, uh, Myron. Yeah. You know, for all of his sins, <laughs> that the end the. NHL All-Star Game was held the same night the Gophers played Ohio State at Met Center, and the whole media was at Williams Arena watching <laughs> watching the Gophers at Ohio State. And, you know, they Musselman's first game was like December 3rd, and this was January 25th, something like that. But wow. it, we just went nuts for it with the whole pregame show and the whole deal, and uh, it was uh, – it was unbelievable, and the fight did uh, kind of, uh, you know, that, that that didn't that didn't do much for the image. But it, what the hell? Yeah, had a good time. <laughs> I, I I talked to a guy who was caught up in that melee for Ohio State. He's like a priest now. Talked to him uh, maybe a couple of years ago, and he he remember Winfield. Oh, he, well, he, Luke Whitty, you know, was the the main character, and he became a, a minister. Uh, yeah, I talked to him. Yeah, yeah, he was the great big guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, we uh he's the guy that we uh need in the uh in, in the groinal area to start the whole thing. So Yeah, that is. went to pick him up with one hand and gave him a shot in the knee. And <laughs> gave him a shot in the crotch and that was uh kinda of, things kinda of went to hell after that. So Don't start the fight if you can't if you can't was, finish it. <laughs> I was there and there was 
students chasing Buckeyes all around the edge. <laughs> it was the craziest thing of all time. Uh, I've yeah. seen the video. I've seen the video. Yeah, now we, we, now we wouldn't have enough students to chase anybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that, Pat. Good, good. Although I think uh, Patino might have a pretty good club, don't you? I yeah. think they can be good. They, they got to stay healthy. Good. They need yeah. a point guard. But they got some... Some pieces. I like the idea of letting Coffee have the ball, though, don't you? I think I think you let Coffee have the ball. You let the big guys rebound, yep. play disciplined defense, and everything should go well. Thanks as always, Pat. See you, Pat. All right, thanks, gents. Goodbye. Good stuff, Myron. Thank you as always, man. Appreciate it.